Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Make sure you stop by Morbidly Beautiful today to check out all the great content they have up there, including reviews, introspectives, retrospectives, top ten lists, recommendations, or anything you want in the horror pop culture realm. I hope you are all doing well under this quarantine that we are all still in right now. Hope you're keeping active and keeping yourself sane by doing anything possible, including listening to podcasts like this one. So this is just a friendly reminder to stay safe out there and do your best to avoid getting sick. And if you are sick, stay home. You should be staying home anyway. But I digress. Today's episode is a very different one, as I've been exploring different aspects of the dark history of our world a little bit more lately, as I think the real-life pandemic we're in right now sort of kind of plays on my mind a little bit, and going towards the mythical doesn't seem just quite right in this time. So today is going to be about a cult, a very interesting cult, a unique one that started way back in the 1970s and had a very tragic end. Of course I'm talking about the Heaven's Gate cult. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Now, the Heaven's Gate cult was, well, unique, to say the least. Most people know the story of what happened and the outcome of, well, the cult in general. And it all started back in the 1970s. But the seeds were planted much earlier than that. And it all started with a very interesting fellow by the name of Marshall Applewhite. Yes, you may know him from such things as the infomercials or commercials and recruitment videos that he starred in. Very strange-looking fellow, bald, big ears, wide eyes, wide nose, and very interesting lips as well. He seemed more like a caricature of a human than an actual human himself. Nevertheless, he decided one day to start, well, maybe the most devious thing in the world, in a cult. His own sister described him as funny and charismatic, an overachiever who was on the honor roll. Now, it's important to note that very few of Applewhite's acquaintances could understand how the man they knew, who was a friendly, comedic sort of guy, a devout Christian, and a very devoted husband and father, could just walk away from everything and start a cult. And not just any cult. As I mentioned prior, he didn't just have the typical I'm the ruler, I'm God, whatever sort of cult mentality. His was very techy. It had a very science fiction belief system to it. But it did have the traditional religious undertones as well. One of the more interesting things was that this cult had a website well before many businesses actually even thought about the internet as a tool for spreading their information. And it had beliefs that were something, like I said, out of Star Trek, Star Wars, something along those lines. It involved aliens, UFOs, and talk of ascension to a higher evolutionary rung on the ladder. Applewhite himself claimed that he was saving his followers from Lucifer, 
And luckily enough, he was possessed by the same alien spirit that possessed Jesus way back when. Oftentimes, this provoked laughter amongst people, as opposed to conversion. But somehow, it did convert people to join said cult. Now, I don't want to spoil the end of the story, but most of you know what happened. It's a very famous tale, and it's equivalent to, well, well, Jonestown on some levels, but we'll get there in a little bit. Let's look at how the cult started before we jump to the very end. As I mentioned, it started with Marshall Applewhite and somebody else. A very important figure in Marshall's life and, well, the cult in general. She goes by the name of Bonnie Nettles. However, let's start with Marshall. He was born in 1931 in Texas, and in the early 70s, he was a music professor in Houston, until he was allegedly fired for having a relationship with one of his male students. Now, despite having that sort of controversy under his belt, he was a fairly normal guy up until he met Bonnie, a married nurse, in 1972. They met at the hospital in which Bonnie worked. Now, according to Applewhite's sister, it was Nettles who convinced her brother that his near-death experience, which was caused by some sort of heart disease or heart failure, was a sign that he had been saved for a purpose. Now, Applewhite will tell a different story, of course, as most crazy cult leaders will, saying that he was visiting a friend in the hospital when he met Nettles and felt an instant spiritual connection. It didn't take long for the pair to discuss their beliefs. Nettles had an abiding interest in astrology, while Applewhite leaned towards Gnostic and mystic texts. It didn't take long before the two of them started to believe certain things, especially things described in the Christian book of Revelations. They believe that they were the two witnesses described in said book. They're the two tormented prophets who were killed off for their gift, and then resurrected by God, and brought to heaven moments before an earthquake destroyed the town. They called themselves many different names, including Bo and Peep, later Dew and Tea, sometimes they went by Winnie and Pooh, or Tiddly and Wink. They were interesting people, to say the least. The relationship was fairly unique. Nettles was a married woman. But the relationship she had with Applewhite wasn't lustful or sexual in any way. It was a platonic partnership. It was the aesthetic that they wanted their followers eventually to follow as well, even to the point of castration. Nettles was the mystic and the diviner, while Applewhite was the charismatic speaker. He was the face of the franchise, if you want to call a call to franchise. When it came to recruiting members, they had a very different approach, as most things of this cult did have. They did everything from distributing flyers to having a presentation about Heaven's Gate in Oregon to talking about UFOs in public. Very interesting, very weird way to get people interested in your cult. Now, the flyer provided two paragraphs of information on Heaven's Gate that began, quote, Two individuals say they were sent from the level above human and will return to that level in a spaceship, UFO, within the next few months. Now, in the presentation and others like it, Applewhite and Nettles promoted Heaven's Gate then called Variously Human Individual Metamorphosis, or HIM, and Total Overcomers Anonymous, with the premise that a UFO would come down and whisk the cult members away, elevating them to a new world and a better life they called TILA, the Evolutionary Level Above Humans. It's an acronym. 
And as crazy as all this sounds, about 200 people actually attended the Oregon event, and even a few were interested enough to follow up. Some people are just susceptible. You can't change that. Never gonna happen. Look at people who vote for Donald Trump. That's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Wrong time, wrong place. Let's continue with the real crazy cult here. Apparently, this grassroots approach that Heaven's Gate had really connected with some people, and it even convinced many to leave their homes and belongings behind to travel around the country in extreme poverty for over two decades. The cult members didn't really have a home. They maintained anonymity that way as well. It was an extreme move for some, but the choice encompassed the spirit of the decade. Many were giving up the conventional lives they had started and seeking new spiritual adventures to answer age-old questions. Remember, this was the 70s. It was a time of love and peace, and we're just coming off the Beatles and free love and hippies and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I wasn't around back then, but I've seen movies. My parents were there. They told me some stuff. Regardless. According to members, Heaven's Gate was especially attractive because its blend of asceticism, mysticism, science fiction, and Christian thinking. Michael Connors was an early recruit, and he said that the appeal of Applewhite's and Nettle's message was in how they were, quote, talking to my Christian heritage, but in a modern, updated way, i.e. Star Trek alien science fiction. One of the more appealing factors apparently was that Mary was impregnated by a being taken upon a spacecraft, and yes, I'm talking about the Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ himself, impregnated by an alien. Do with that what you will. Connor said, quote, Now, as unbelievable as that sounds, that was an answer that was better than just plain virgin birth. It was technical and it has physicality to it. I kind of agree with him, to be completely honest. If we're really thinking about it, a virgin birth is just as likely as an alien birth or an alien impregnation. Of course, the virgin birth theory just kind of plays into Joseph and everybody in the community being a little ignorant to somebody, you know, adultery, <laughs> I guess we could call it at this point, and that Mary did step out on Joseph, or they just lied about having sex in general. Though, I don't think Joseph would. Being a guy, different time, sure. Still, I digress. Members of Heaven's Gate believe that suicide was wrong, but their definition of suicide, it became clear, was very, very flexible. That's foreshadowing for you. The problem was that the cult was operating on a clock. Cultists thought that if they stayed on Earth long enough, they would face, quote-unquote, recycling. The destruction of Earth as a planet was wiped clean. Nettles and Applewhite were convinced it wouldn't come to that. A spaceship run by Tila would arrive to pick them up well before the apocalypse. Remember, these are special beings who are above humans on the evolutionary rung and would select certain followers to evolve with them, or ascend, if you will. Sadly, their plans took a swift turn to the left when Nettles was diagnosed with cancer. Now, the doctors told her she didn't have a whole lot of time left, and what time she did have would be very short. But Nettles, being a staunch believer in her faith was confident in her destiny and refused to believe the diagnosis. Her death was a severe blow to Applewhite, who not only emotionally lost a lot, but also philosophically. Nettle's physical death had a lot of bearing and the potential to overset a number of their teachings about the cult members' futures. 
It was then that Applewhite began to rely more heavily on one particular strain of the cult's beliefs. Human bodies were merely vessels, vehicles that were carrying them on their journey and could be abandoned at any time. Applewhite said of Nettles that she had left her body and returned to her home among the Tila beings, where she would continue to help them, and she would presumably come down with the spaceship and pick up the rest of them in due time. But despite that, Applewhite still had work to do on this plane of existence and would finish their project and guide the cult members to meet her. That was his ultimate goal. It was subtle, but an important shift in the cult's ideology, and it would have far-reaching repercussions. Now we get to some tragic parts of this story. It all started on March 26th, 1997. There were 39 active Heaven's Gate cult members, and they used money they had made from a variety of online enterprises, a service to help people reconnect with lost friends, a web design firm called Higher Source, among other things, to rent a mansion in a gated community just outside San Diego. It was also around this time that the Hellbop Comet was going to pass through the skies on March 29th, 1997. For some reason, Applewhite got the idea that there was a UFO trailing behind this brilliant comet, and his presence was forthcoming, and he got excited by it. Now, some blame Art Bell, the conspiracy theorist and radio host behind the popular program Coast to Coast AM, for publicizing this delusion. But it is hard to see how Bell could anticipate what was going to happen. At this point, Applewhite was very confused. He was worn down and just mentally exhausted. And so he saw this as a sign. He recorded himself saying, quote, The only way to evacuate this Earth was the spaceship that followed in the wake of the hale Bob comet. It was the flight that Heaven's Gate had been waiting for, and it was coming to take them to a higher place that they were seeking. And fortunately for the members of Heaven's Gate, it was coming just in time. If they waited any longer, Apple White was convinced that the Earth was going to be recycled, wiped clean with them still on it, which would have been a no-go. They can't ascend if the Earth is recycled in their minds. Now, beginning on March 26th, over the course of three days, the 39 cult members ate a mixture of barbiturates and applesauce, then washed it down with vodka. Very dangerous combination, especially with applesauce. I mean, come on now. Applesauce? At least Jonestown got Kool-Aid. Nevertheless, group by group, they tied bags over their heads to ensure asphyxiation, then waited simply for death to come and take them. Those later in the lineup cleaned up the messes made by the first group and laid the bodies out neatly in their bunks, covering their faces with a purple cloth. For whatever reason, Applewhite was the 37th person to die, leaving behind only two others to prepare his corpse, and alone in the house... Of bodies, they took their own lives, naturally. When a former cult member came back to check up on them, he found 39 people lying neatly in their bunks, identical black and white Nike sneakers poking out from purple shrouds. Matching armbands read, Heaven's Gates, Away Team. And that, there, was the end of the Heaven's Gate cult. It's a sad, tragic story, and it's one to be learned from. Susceptibility to... Very odd suggestions are something that humans have been prone to pretty much since the beginning of civilization and religion in general. Now, this story got national coverage. Of course it did. Why wouldn't it? It was massive, it was terrifying, and it was 
bizarre, to say the least. Washington Post covered it, and a whole slew of other media outlets as well. It was all very familiar, but very different at the same time. And since then, there's been so many weird and obscure religions and cults pop up over the years. Of course, when we talk about science fiction-related religions, we come to the conclusion that Scientology is on that list, which is now recognized as a regular, everyday old religion, which is strange. But, I mean, to each their own, as long as they don't drink the Kool-Aid or eat the applesauce in this case, it seems to be okay, they just have very weird practices. Nevertheless, cults are something that have been around forever, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Not all of them are crazy, dangerous psychopaths, and not all of them believe in a life after death that you have to kind of take into your own hands. The problem is, when you get a charismatic, ritualistic, likable man or woman saying things that kind of appeal to the general population at the time, you have a dangerous mix for disaster, for catastrophe. From Hitler to Jim Jones, they all have very similar characteristics in their personalities, their appearance, and the way they present themselves to the public. And for some, that charm is just a little bit too difficult to ignore. My name is Casey, and if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I will indeed read out every five-star review that I get, so if you want to shout out on the podcast, that's the best way to do it. If you have any suggestions, feel free to hit me up on social media, on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, Facebook at HorrorShots, Instagram at OminousOriginsPod, or on my website at HorrorShots.com. If you would like to support the cast financially, you can do so at Patreon.com slash HorrorShots. Lastly, if you would like to support the show with some merchandise, you can do that as well at my Redbubble store. All sorts of different designs are up on there, and check it out in the link in the description below, or wherever the description is on whatever site you're on right now. I do apologize this week, as well as I've had some sort of throat thing going on, and my voice is a little bit raspy. Don't know what's going on, but uh, can't really get into a doctor to see what is going on, because coronavirus. So there is that. Nevertheless, I will see you next week.